Welcome to Rem and Sam back at it again, back in the middle, the swing of things. Basketball is starting to get, you know, games are starting to get played, starting to get used to the players. Some revelations are being shown. And football, we're really in the middle of it. I mean, this is I, this is why people say this is the best time of the year. We got also playoff baseball. You know, we're not talking about that because we're neither of us are watching it. But, you know, it's there. It's on TV. There's this constant stream of sports everywhere. It's 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 kind of overwhelming right now. It's, it's tough to keep track of games. But starting with the focus with football, because football's king. We all know football's king. We starting off with, I know it's kind of it's kind of weird bringing up the Chiefs all the time because they're but because they're good it's kind of easy to bring it up playing the 49ers and this is the first time the 49ers after their first game since they've had the McCaffrey trade and your initial thoughts Remington because Rem because I I watching this game I didn't really feel like McCaffrey was used that well it kind of just seemed like another guy to me well he got to the team on like Thursday Friday so he only had a couple days to look at the playbook they were just they were just throwing him out there. He was going to be in some packages. They said well, he wasn't going to use it that much. He's got to get used to the offense. You know, they did give up a lot for him. The price was driven up. They were in a bidding war with the Rams, who were also desperate for a running back. The 49ers just went ahead and they already traded their first round pick for Lance. They just give up all the rest of their picks at next year's draft. They give up a second, a third, a fourth, and 23. And then they give up a fifth round pick in 24 as well. But the NFC, we've been saying this, whole, the NFC is wide, wide open outside of the Eagles who are at the top. I guess the Cowboys have Dak Prescott coming back. The defense looks solid. But the 49ers have been lingering there all, all year. We can talk about the defense in a second, but it has shown potential to be one of the better defenses in the league. And they have a chance to just continue to invest in the team around Jimmy Garoppolo, which is what they, what we've said they should have been doing this entire time. Going back to even the Trey Lance trade when you're giving up assets to get a quarterback when you already have a Super Bowl roster. We get the Jimmy G thing is up and down, but if they stay at 12, you have Micah Parsons, whatever. Now they continue to invest around Jimmy G. And if you look at their offense, just from a weapon standpoint, again, outside of the Eagles, this is probably, and maybe even above the Eagles, this is probably the best collection of talent in the NFC. They have Debo... Kittle, now they have McCaffrey, they have Ayuk's there. Elijah Mitchell's lingering as well. He's on IR, but he might come back later in the season. Then you have a nice running back committee as well. McCaffrey's dealt with injuries over the last couple seasons. So we can go, I can give you the rest of them in a second, but just from top to bottom, they continue to invest around Jimmy G. And now they put out one of the better skill groups. And the NFC, that's just, again, it's wide open. It's wide open. Anybody right now could just reach out and take the NFC from what it looks like. Yeah, with Trey Lance out, you know, it's they're definitely now in a win-now kind of mode. I think especially, I mean, McCaffrey, he is a younger running back. He isn't too old. He does have a lot of miles and a lot of injuries, though. Um, but, you know, maybe he could fit a timeline with Lance later down the line. But the, obviously the focus with this trade is to win now. and. You know, with the Panthers having a fire sale, I think they got a pretty much a bargain considering that it seemed like the Panthers were asking maybe a first rounder, maybe two first rounders. And, you know, that considering that the 49ers didn't have to give up any players just uh, or not. Yeah, they didn't have to give up any players, just picks um, for someone who can be a superstar. Now, 
I I think there was one stat, you know, I heard where, I mean, pretty much Christian McCaffrey has missed a majority of his games due to injury, though. And, you know, for a team that is plagued by injuries, that is a big worry um, to see if he can actually stay out there, um, actually produce. Uh, so we'll see. I mean, a lot of their stars are healthy around playoff time when it does matter. Um, I haven't really, I mean, Kittle is usually there for the big games. Debo is too. So hopefully it works out for McCaffrey as well. But I mean, I guess I was a little bit more surprised with how much it, you know, they first look didn't look well because of how much uh, the 49ers run the ball and their team is built for running. But you do bring up a good point that he they barely had any time to learn the playbook so uh we'll we'll see in the next couple of weeks um but yeah i mean watching this game against the chiefs you know i'm not gonna lie i wasn't worried i know they're like 14 13 going into the half you know we have the muff punt but then we get the interception but then we can't you know but then we can't turn it into points because of a you know chop block and all that it's just one of those things i think the offense you know with mahomes is actually starting to click Uh, i think it's the first time uh ever since that we at least yeah i think under mahomes at least where we've had two wide receivers get 100 plus yards um you know we had like more big plays than you know all last year with tyree kill all that so i think it's just you know they're they're obviously 49ers secondary isn't the best in the league but you know it is nice to see that there's a little bit of confidence you know that comes with winning and you know Mahomes is getting a little bit into the group, and even the interception was kind of a tip ball. So, you know, where I'm not worried about the Chiefs, and it was it was a nice win. I mean, it was a nice win. So, Juju's been kind of unlocked the last couple of weeks. I think he has 230 plus yards and two touchdowns, maybe three touchdowns over the last couple of games. It feels like he's finding rhythm. He was like the one free agent receiver you brought in. And go okay, out of all these guys who has a chance to step up and like really kind of be the wide receiver one, it was him. He's been up and down. I know fantasy owners have kind of been waiting for him to pop off. And the last couple of weeks, it seems like he's finally gotten in a rhythm. Just to wrap up on the McCaffrey thing real quick. It's just, you think about the running backs that Kyle Shanahan has, Kyle Shanahan has had in his system with the 49ers. He's always able to get these guys to produce their fourth, fifth round picks. They never really highly invest. We've mentioned, I mentioned Elijah Mitchell earlier. He's turned him into a valuable running back. He's gotten good production out of Jeff Wilson. Production out of Matt Breida when he first got there. Matt Breida had his best seasons with Kyle Shanahan. So if you just put Christian McCaffrey in that wide zone scheme, whatever that he runs, he's going to produce well. And then just the, I know it's funny, but just the check down possibility as well with Jimmy Garoppolo to have also a wide receiver, just an all around offensive weapon. Kyle Shanahan is the best at working with these guys. Debo is a one-of-a-kind receiver. Kittle's kind of a one-of-a-kind tight end with his blocking ability and just his toughness as a receiver. And now he has McCaffrey, who has, you know, kind of a one-of-one at running back with his dual versatility. And even though he's missed a lot of games, he was in seven games last year, but he was still fifth in yards per touch among running back. So he's still producing at a high level. He's been consistent this year as well. So I think that trade is honestly going to end up being really important. The defense is the concerning thing. I mean, you just mentioned the Chiefs made that defense look silly. And early in the season when it started, D'Amico Ryans had that defense playing amazing. And he was three games into the season. He was like already being interviewed for head coaching jobs next year. Like he was the number one candidate. 
that has changed. So we'll see what has to happen there. Obviously, the injuries, if they get healthy, that will help. But here are some here are some NFC offenses I want to ask you. Like, would you would you rather have this offense over what skill guys the 49ers have right now? So the Eagles have AJ Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, Miles Sanders. That's pretty it's pretty solid top to bottom. Yeah, it's pretty solid, but I mean the Eagles are a proven fit concept. Um, I mean with the 49ers, we just don't know. And um, you know, I guess I guess the 49ers technically with this group without McCaffrey, they have gone to a Super Bowl, you know. So there is that, but you know, I definitely it, it's yeah, I guess it's give or take. But yeah, I probably I mean I'd probably go with the Eagles right now just because of the chemistry they got built up. It's close though. They're they're right on the edge now, which is really the the important thing from this trade. Because if you look around the, the the rest of the NFC, it's honestly kind of bleak for a number three. The Vikings would have a strong case. You have Jefferson, Thielen, Dalvin Cook. Mattinson's also a good running back. I guess if you want to throw Irv Smith in there, you can. Otherwise, you're looking around and, I mean, the Seahawks, Metcalf, Lockett, Kenneth Walker, Noah Fant? Other, the Lions? I can't believe we're talking about it. The I'm Lions? not even to interrupt you, but Geno Smith, man. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Geno Smith's a free agent next year. Who knows? He might make a lot of money. So the Lions have Amon Ra, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, TJ Hawkinson, Jamison Williams. That honestly might be number three, what the Lions have right now. So the NFC is, you know, I guess the Bucks are still lingering there as well. But again, just to bolster this to skill group in an NFC that's wide open is a big move. Yeah, not to interrupt you there, but and it just blows my mind that we're bringing up the Seahawks and Lions as solid offenses, but that's how upside down this year has been. I mean, it's kind of crazy, which is which is a perfect segue into our next part about how bad the top elite teams have been. And this past week kind of started, you know, being, you know, started to be a flashing big red sign as to the end of careers of some of the biggest quarterbacks in our league. Um, looking at Rodgers, looking at Brady, uh, Rodgers, you know, it's another week with a bad loss and, you know, is it the team? Is it him? It's, it's getting, you know, it's a pretty, pretty blurry line, but just that last shot of him with his face in the ground, you know, just defeated, you know, after going and losing to the Giants and Jets, which would have been horrible losses, losses the last couple of years, but both of those teams have been solved this year. You know, another weird part of, you know, how this year's been going. And then looking over all the way on the other side of the country, the Buccaneers with Brady. It's always funny, you know, all the jokes of, oh, I left my wife for this and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, it's it's looking rough right now. Only three points in a game. It's it's not looking good. I mean, is it I don't want to be Max Kellerman here, but was he right? Have these guys gone off a cliff? So out of the out of the two between Brady and Rodgers, I guess if I was going to have to say which one do I think is more fixable, I would still say it's the Bucks. Again, the NFC is just you mentioned like you said how good how or when you started you said how bad the elite teams have been. The real thing we're seeing right now in the NFC this season is outside of the Eagles, there's just no elite teams. Everybody's right in the middle. Everybody kind of has a chance and you still think in a playoff game, the Bucs are somehow still winning their division. So 
they're going to have a home playoff game if that bears out. And Tom Brady in a playoff game with these weapons and the talent that the defense has, maybe they figure it out. The big thing with Brady right now is he's trying to do some version of like NFL load management, which is just impossible to do at quarterback. You can't do the, he's doing like a James Harden. Like, I don't want to play deep. Like he doesn't want to get hit. He's trying to get the ball out too fast and they can't really run the football to make up for that. And you, you can do it in that, you know, you can do the LeBron can take plays off on defense in the NBA. He can figure out how to pace himself. When you're the quarterback, you just kind of honestly, you have to be locked in the entire game. You have to be playing at your peak. And, you know, the offense is sacrificing right now because Brady is trying to move too quickly and it's even affecting the defense. They're out on the field too long. So if, if, if they're able to limp along this season and somehow get into the playoffs and Brady's no longer load managing and he's really locked in and he's going for it, then I can buy that. But, you know, outside of that, it's panic for the Bucks. The Rodgers thing is real concerning because it just seems like he's to the point where he doesn't trust his receivers to where he's missing reads. Like he's locking in on the guys that he, tra- he's locking in on Alan Lazard too long. He doesn't see the guy over here. He's staring down Aaron Jones. He doesn't, he's not seeing the whole field. That's the part that's concerning with Rogers to me, the offensive line can't block. So I don't know how they fix that. They're in the market for a receiver, but it's definitely bleak for both of these teams. That goes back to why the 49ers thing is so important because now they're just now they're they're better. They have a better they've added something. They have a new piece. You're the guy that big on the newness. If you have the new thing that the other people haven't had time to game plan yeah. against how important that is. So yeah. it's it's full on panic. It's full on panic time for these two guys. And it's 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 crazy that it's bearing out this way. It's happening right before us. We're watching. Are we are we watching it, Sam? Is this the fall of Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers? I can't believe we're seeing it. Yeah, it is. I think I think it is. I do agree with you. The Bucks do have more talent. Um, and I think you know, winning your division is big, or at least being in competitive in competition for it. And the Vikings, like I told everyone at the beginning of the year, are definitely going to win. Are looking to really win this division. Five and one right now on a four game winning streak. You know, three games up on the Packers. You know, they've been getting it done against, yeah, easier teams. Their schedule hasn't been really hard. It does get a lot harder in the next couple of weeks. They play the Cardinals and then the Commanders, but then also the Bills, Cowboys, and Patriots, uh, Jets and Lions, you know, teams that we just mentioned. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what uh, the Vikings are made out of the next couple of weeks. But um, it's just, I mean, it's just feels uncharacteristic how badly both of these guys are playing. And, you had your advice for Brady. I got my advice for Rogers. You know, stay off the perks, man. You know, clean it up or something. Who knows? You know, but uh, with him, I mean, I definitely, you know, with both of them, you can see wide receiving play isn't as top notch as it has been in the past. I mean, everyone saw that Evans drop. I mean, that's just, you just can't have stuff like that happen. But, Obviously, there's more to it. And I guess Rodgers, I think two weeks ago, there was someone who, like, dropped a pass out to the hash mark or out to the, yeah, out to the sideline and for the win. I think, yeah, it was for a win of the game, and the guy dropped it. It might have been three weeks ago. But, you know, at some point, it can't just be all everyone else's fault. It's also got to be on you. And so we'll see. We'll see what both these teams do. 
they both don't have backup plans. You know, Jordan Love isn't that much. And I don't even know who the Bucks backup is. So, well, I mean, I think for both the teams, this is it. This is their this is their guy. They're all in. And um, you know, it's either sink or swim. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how these teams will adjust. Uh the Bucks have a really hard test playing the uh playing the Ravens next. Maybe the Ravens will mess around and choke. And then for the Packers, it looks like they'll be playing the Bills. So, yeah, both teams are having really tough tests this next week. And um, I, we'll see if there's anything left in the tank because if there's a time, now is time to do it, as they both are three and four. I've been critical of Matt LaFleur's offense and how it's performed against elite defenses slash playoff defenses in the past. And part of the reason with that is, and we've seen it this season as well, is this offense struggles against man. It's been able to be successful in the past because Devonte Adams is one of the most talented receivers in the league when it comes to footwork and separation and contested catches. And Aaron Rodgers is one of the best, you know, most accurate pinpoint passers in the league and their chemistry was a plus and late in the game, it would be, Devontae Adams, do his little move, get open down the sideline. Rodgers fits it into him. That was ultimately the play at the end of the game that worked for them. And in the playoffs, these teams would just take it away. The rest of the offense would struggle. We've seen it this year as well. The offense is struggling against man. The receivers cannot get open. And it's the they cannot they can't move the ball. It's as simple as that. They're not able to move the ball. They're not able to score. And I don't really know. I guess I guess there is a world where just later in the season, the young guys take a big step forward and they're playing way better. Dobbs is, you know, offensive rookie of the year potential. Maybe that does happen. Maybe that's what turns this team around. But outside of that, you know, those are actually, those are real problems. And I don't know. I don't know what other moves they have to fix that right now with, with the group of guys they have and with, especially with when their offensive line can't block. Yeah. You know, it's it, when it rains, it pours. And, you know, with these teams, it's definitely, I mean, with their high-profile quarterbacks, they definitely have the spotlight on them, and it's it's time to see whether they can turn it around for these teams. Some other notes, Odell Beckham Jr., still a free agent. It's kind of interesting seeing him, you know, being able to go to whatever team he wants to. Hopefully he goes to the Chiefs, but um, we'll see where he goes. I think he, can, I think he could swing some people. You know, some teams to be of a step above. I mean, imagine him on the Bills, you know, with the Chiefs or, you know, heck, even go down to Tampa. Who knows what will happen there. But um, just a little tidbit. And then, you know, I know we don't obviously want to talk too much. We don't want to rub salt too much in the wound of the Colts. But um, how much how happy are you now that they're finally making the quarterbacking change, but not to Nick Foles? The Matt Ryan era in Indianapolis is over very, very quickly. Seven games, Sam. That's all it lasted. This is the headshot to the Carson Wentz trade. They traded a third-round pick in the deal to move Carson Wentz to Washington to end up getting Matt Ryan. They are now on their their what? Their seventh quarterback in like six years? Is it six and five years? I don't know. Whatever it is, it's too many. Oh, my This entire season has been disastrous because Matt Ryan is old. He cannot move. And the Colts have said, you know, they did not hold up their end of the bargain when they brought in Matt Ryan. They promised good offensive line play, a good run game, things to 
make it easier on Matt Ryan as a quarterback because he can't move because he's so limited offensively and they just haven't been able to do those things. Matt Ryan's been trying to do too much and he's been trying to create when he's not. That's why at the end of the games, it's actually worked because he's been able to just sit back, get the ball out quickly when he's in the game, when he's, when he's moving around, when he's trying to do stuff, he has led the league in interceptions, fumbles and sacks. So you cannot go forward this way. If you're going to have bad quarterback play, you you should have bad quarterback play with it, at least an athletic quarterback, because it opens up your ability to get easy yards, to just keep the ball moving, to manufacture plays. That's it's again, th- This goes back to the Brady Rogers thing. Again, they're just, when you have these guys that, and not Rod, Rogers is not limited, but he is, you know, he's processing the game a little bit. Like he's a limited quarterback. Brady's getting the ball out quickly. Like he's a limited quarterback. And, Matt Ryan is just a limited quarterback at this point. And the teams that right now is successful at quarterback, Jalen Hurts, Mahomes, Josh, you know, these are all guys that can create when you have absolutely nothing, especially in a league now that has moved to the too high and it's really affected the passing game. So we'll we'll see what we'll see what the move is again long term for Ballard. I didn't ex- I didn't expect Matt Ryan to get benched, but there is some con there is some salary cap stuff where they need him to be healthy going into the offseason, and they'll actually maybe be able to save a little bit of money if they want to move on from his contract. So there is some benefit to benching him there. But it, Lamar's going to be, if he hits free agency, he's going to be the big fish. Geno Smith's a free agent next year. Tyler Huntley's a free agent next year. Maybe they do something in the draft. So it'll be interesting to see long-term what the move is, but this, again, is just continued. It's just the continued failure for Ballard at the quarterback position, which... I said coming into the season, hopefully it doesn't cost the guys these hopefully it doesn't cost these guys these job their jobs, but it's trending that way right now. And I've liked Ballard. I've liked Frank Wright. They've been really good, really smart football people to have in an organization. But maybe this is the end of an era in Indianapolis. These are the moves that are these these are the moves when the Empire falls, Sam. Read the history books. This is how the Roman Empire fell. They benched Matt Ryan. That's exactly what they did. But no, honestly, I mean, you're right. You know, at least if you have bad quarterback play, let it be an athletic quarterback, young quarterback, someone who's actually, you know, who's improving, learning and improving from the experience. And, you know, it it was I was kind of surprised how bad it was with Matt Ryan. But at the same time, I wasn't considering his time with the Falcons. Just thought maybe with better skilled players could have ended, you know, better, but at least you guys are able to move on pretty early and, you know, not have to drudge through a whole nother year of it and get Sam some reps under center. That'll be good for him. And, uh, yeah, I think that's, I think that's pretty much it for our, uh, football stuff. Um, guess we can transition to basketball. Well, our favorite sport is back. NBA basketball. The stars, everyone's out there playing. It's real game. Now, it is in the beginning of the season, so there's some wonky stuff. You know, the Jazz are looking like a solid team. The number one team in the West right now is the Trailblazers at 4-0. But one part that isn't weird that we all saw coming, and yes, we I mean, actually, haters come at us. Westbrook haters come at us. Come out of the comments. The Lakers. Are at the bottom of the table as they should. This team, it's just, it's, it's so hard to watch. It's so, uh, it's just, 
it's it's everything I expected, but even worse. From wh- what do you do? What do you, if you're Polinka calls you up two a.m. in the morning, like man, I need help. This is bad. I can't get LeBron. LeBron. LeBron's not gonna go shut down. He's gonna go for points. He wants to be all time leader. So I gotta do something. What what should I do? I know you got it. I know your trade idea. I already know what you're gonna say, but I gotta hear it again. What what should we do, Rem? If you've been listening to this for any amount of time, anytime we've talked about the Lakers, you already know what I would do. You know what my move would be. I've been saying it for a long time. I feel like I was the first one to this train. And as the season goes along and the Lakers continue to play, and as this continues to play out, more and more people are gonna get on this train. We'll see how much we'll see if we'll it'll get enough to mo- momentum to where it actually happens. But this Lakers thing is a complete disaster. You sent you sent me a little graphic. Somebody charted out like three point percentages for all these teams. Basically, who's like the best and worst three point shooting teams in the league? You didn't say anything about why you you just sent me the graphic. I look at the graphic. The first thing that stands out is the Lakers are way off in the bottom. They're by far the worst three-point shooting team in the league. That is no shock because outside of LeBron and Davis, the rest of this roster is absolutely disastrous. We saw it coming into the year. They just signed a bunch of these guys that are kind of just these these you know high-effort role guys. They're athletes. They don't really have a lot of skill per se. I mean, here are their, their point-per-game leaders – out, they have LeBron and Davis. Obviously, LeBron's 27 a game. Davis is 24 a game. After that, Lonnie Walker is their third leading scorer at 15. Russell Westbrook at 10. And then Pat Bev at 5. It drops that quickly. Austin Reeves, a four point something. Kendrick Nunn at four. It, it's, it's a total disaster. Realistically, the only way you correct this and set this roster in a, in a reasonable direction going forward because this is this is a play-in team at best the the ceiling on a lebron anthony davis team over the course of a normal season a normal nba schedule has been first round playoff exits that's the best they've had i don't see why with this roster it would be any different so the only way to reasonably get back on track and sort of set yourself and just have a healthier roster you want a big thick Chris Hemsworth healthy roster. The only way you would do that is to trade Anthony Davis. That's how you would fix it. And he's he's playing great right now. The price is going to be super high. They're going to get a lot for him. The market's insane. I mean, what did the what, the James Harden trade Simmons and picks? It, it was a lot for the way Harden was playing. Davis is a top tier guy. If they float him out on the market, the price will be high. I don't know if that's what. LA wants to do. I don't know if that's their goal. Their goal is may- probably still to be just a team that's fun to watch, a team that can have stars on the sideline, a team that has the number one quote, you know, the quote unquote number one player in the league. They have the, the biggest draw in the league, number one player draw in the league in LeBron. And just to have another super talented guy out there night tonight, they're going to compete. They played the Clippers last week. It was the best they played the Clippers in the LeBron Davis era. They competed with them all the way down. The Clippers have destroyed them since LeBron has gotten there and they were battling with them till the very end. The guys, they play hard. The young guys play hard. They try their best, but it's not enough if they trade, you know, who knows with the Davis trade, but that, that is the one, that's the one thing 
that would realistically just make this situation better in a way. It would just help the roster top to bottom. Maybe you reset with some of the picks. You get some depth. But this is it, Sam. We're four games in, and we we call it, we can take the Lakers victory lap now. The season is over. Pretty much. Pretty much. So, we know you. You're a Spurs fan, and we'll get to your team a little bit later. As the team that drafted Lonnie Walker, saw him play a couple of years, can you tell us why he's not a starting player in the NBA? Yeah, I don't think anybody watched Lonnie Walker's Spurs tenure and go, oh, we need to give this guy more of a role. Like, he's very athletic. Again, he competes. Like, he's trying hard. He's in the gym a lot. I feel like he he's working on his shooting, but the shot has just never fallen, and he has the confidence. He has He has a bit of irrational confidence to a game as well that, He's taking shots he necessarily shouldn't. So he's he's not the guy you want to be your third leading scorer when you're trying to have these weird title aspirations with LeBron and Davis. I mean, what's his he's 20 20 he's 17% for 3. On the, I think that the on the season the team as a whole is like 21%. Again, they're in the little bottom corner of the graphic. They're terrible. So I mean the the Spurs were willing to let him walk. He's a clutch guy. That's kind of was the move. And that's honestly one of the big reasons I don't know if they'll trade Davis. Davis is a clutch guy. He's the best other clutch guy besides LeBron. I guess they could try to get Simmons in a weird world. Maybe that's the move because Simmons Simmons might be available come trade deadline. And if they just want to get another star, but this is a this is a t- this is a team that is built around business off the court and it shows on the court. I think that last line is perfect. I think you really, I mean, that was, that was, that was an excellent point um, that the, the focus of the team, the reason LeBron's there, I mean, all these guys is off the court stuff in LA. And it, 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 like you mentioned, it's really showing. And, you know, looking at this roster, there's no shooters, you know, Westbrook's still an athletic guard, you know, LeBron still can, he still can do some amazing things. And Anthony Davis, who knows how long he'll stay healthy till he's out again, which I think will be the biggest reason why they won't be able to trade him is because he's not healthy. Also, quick side note on Simmons. He's had a really rough start to this year. 14 fouls and 17 points, averaging 17 points. So, you know, he's uh, not maybe maybe you don't want Simmons. Who knows? That might be a whole nother can of worms. Imagine having Westbrook and Simmons on the same team. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, uh. Uh, the but this team it's just I mean we knew it coming into this year I I don't even know on their fifth bench of is that Matt Ryan is that is that your quarterback you know did he did he join the team I mean I wouldn't be surprised like it's this team I mean Toscano Anderson you know he was an okay player you know but you know once the Warriors started to actually bring quality depth you know that's why he got kicked out. I what I've always been a fan of Thomas Bryant, you know. He's always been an interesting player, but he's like a role piece at best. And you know, Kendrick Nunn, people gave up hope a while ago. You know, Schroeder barely, almost didn't get a contract last year. So you know, you start going down this team, and you're like, it's the only like, besides LeBron James and Anthony Davis, is there an argument to be made? that Austin Reeves is the third best player on this team? Am I crazy for saying that? In terms of 
winning, like, for, for a LeBron teammate and winning purposes, is Austin Reeves the best player on this team? Like, I don't I don't know. I, I definitely, I, I think that's a serious conversation, especially with, you know, maybe maybe Schroeder can obviously come back. And he had a really good Euro basket, basket uh, summer. You know, he, he, for Germany, he played really well, which is the only reason why he got another contract. But I don't know, man. I mean, you know, Reeves may not have been able to get that lob in, but I don't know. He he's kind of my favorite player to watch on this team, just in general. If if any, if I have to watch anyone. In terms of like who fits next to LeBron slash who steps up in the moment slash who competes and who make who actually makes big shots on this team, like. You're right. In in the in the big in the big moments, the primetime game, like Austin Reeves is always the one guy that jumps off the court. But it really is like go back and think about those big moments in LA last year. The guys, the Rams, Matt Stafford is sitting sideline one game. Aaron Donald's sitting sideline the next game. LeBron is just going off. He's dropping 50. He's putting up the numbers. He looks incredible. He can still athletically, you know, be one of the best players on a basketball court in a given night. And you watch those games and you go, oh yeah, that's that's why he's here. He's, again, the biggest basketball draw in the world. He's in the biggest basketball market. He's on the number one stage for basketball. Maybe, I guess you could argue Madison Square Garden, but you know, the Lake, the Showtime Lakers, it's, it's LA. It's the entertainment capital of the world. He can do the business moves out there. That, that, that's why he went there. Brady, when he left New England to go to Tampa. He joined that roster because that roster was built to win. And that, that roster won when he got there. LeBron went to, he didn't go to LA to try to win titles. You know, they were able to bring in Davis and there was a unique set of circumstances that favored them. And it worked out perfect. They got through the bubble season. They won a title there, but it was the business moves. It was the family moves. And those were, those were the things that he valued when he came to LA and that's fine. LeBron was awesome. He had the career. He had the run. He was able to extend it in the Lakers. He gets to do whatever he wants to do at this point, but that's what he wants to do. And that's, that's, this is the team that has resulted because of that. And it, it's just going to be awesome to do the Anthony Davis trade machine all year. I can't wait. I'm so glad we're here just as a, as a whole, as a basketball community, we're finally in the Anthony Davis trade talk circles. It's going to be great. Yeah. And I, I mean, we'll have to see if Anthony stays healthy, you know, AD stays healthy enough to even get traded uh, because I'm pretty sure there's stuff with, you know, if he's injured and stuff like that, I wouldn't want to deal with Anthony Davis stuff. You know um, I mean, the sneaky crazy part about this, t- this year, start looking at these teams who's supposed to trade for Anthony Davis. I mean, maybe the Pacers, if they want to give up, finally get rid of all their uh, all their extra stuff. But the Magic, and it's kind of funny, the Magic at the bottom, they've they've got some pieces there. They don't want they don't need Anthony Davis clogging stuff up. You know, you start looking at some other teams, maybe the Wizards. You know, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I don't. I mean, I think it would be a little redundant to have Adebayo and AD there. Uh, you know, 76ers again, same thing. You know, the Nets got enough issues as is, you know, maybe that's where you have the Simmons trade come in. I mean, the Bulls have always been talked about, 
you know, I guess, I guess, yeah, there might be some contenders who would consider bringing him on, but I don't know how much it helped considering 80s uh, constant injury history. I mean, can we see him like play 20, 30 games in a row? It's, it's kind of rough. So um, like you mentioned, AD trade's probably the best option here, but you know, it's kind of seems like, you know, they're two good friends, clutch client, you know, he loves, I'm pretty sure he likes it in LA. So I, I don't, I mean, I don't see him asking out and, you know, you obviously to get to that level, you have to be a competitive guy, but at the same time, you know, it doesn't seem from watching him play, it does. And hearing him talk, it doesn't seem like winning is his everything. You know what I'm saying? Like if it, it doesn't seem like he has too many issues with where he's at. I don't, you know, it's similar to Ben Simmons where, you know, looking cool is just fine. You know, if you look cool and, you know, get some, maybe some cool stats, some awards, you know, you're not considered a bum, but you're okay. Then, you know, it's, it's a good day, you know? So it's just how some guys, you know, not everyone's built to be Jordan. And, you know, some people play basketball for the money. I totally understand. It doesn't always have to be the legacy. It just means that it's going to affect everything when you're having rough times like right now. So, um, Bringing bringing up the magic came came to mind. Uh, the Paolo Banquero love is very strong right now. Very very strong. Uh, we got. I mean, we still have you know Holgren and Jabari. Holgren's still out. You know, Jabari's getting some games in, and he, obviously he wasn't going to be an NBA ready prospect. But a lot of people are uh, wondering why they ever doubted him, uh, Paolo. Why they ever, you know, thought him as the third guy in the draft? Are you, you know, are you all in on this uh, Moncaro hype? I mean, he, I, I've heard all good things. I, I've seen some too. It looks so. He, I, I like how he plays in the offense. I mean, I'm the perfect example of the person you just brought up because halfway through the college basketball season last year, Jabari Smith was the number one guy on my board. But March Madness played out. Bancaro was awesome in March Madness. I moved him up to number one after that. He stayed there. I was prepared to go into the draft process and put Jabari back up at number one. Like everything he brings to the table as a basketball player is good. But Bancaro's feel for the game is just, it's the best in the class. It was the best and really the best in the country for any amateur, uh, any college basketball player last year. He was phenomenal in that Duke team. And the even the more we got in the offseason, the more we watched the summer league, the more we watched the preseason. I was just like, yeah, it totally makes sense that this guy was the number one player. He continued to separate himself. Jabari's been really good to start the season as well, but you can see it with Bancaro again in the NBA that his feel for the game is awesome the way he can. You know, he can be a big forward next to Franz and let Cole Anthony run the teams and they're doing stuff on the perimeter and he's hanging out. He's back cutting. He's getting, you know, slip little handoff passes for dunks. Or he can get the ball on the top and create and he doesn't even really have like a shot packaged in his game yet. He's just sort of, you know, Perk made the Ben Simmons comparison in the draft process. A lot of people were confused by that. I totally understand what he means by that. His offensive game, especially early on, is very much just put his head down to the basket. He's stronger than a lot of guys. Get up, finish at the rim. He can draw a lot of foul. He's going to get a lot of foul shots this year. So as his offensive game continues to develop, like he's just going to continue to get better and better. But Right now, his feel for the game continues to impress. He's still just 20. He still finds a way to put up 20 points a game. He's been awesome through the first week. 
he was already my number. He, I mean, he was on my list of five guys to watch going into the season. So I was already buying in the magic have not been in the wins categories impressive as I, as I thought they would be, but Ben Carroll has showed and Franz as well, just to fit with those guys, they've shown everything they've needed to from an upside standpoint. Yeah. Fans who are closely watching this team are calling him a dude, even though they haven't even won a game with him yet, you know, calling him, you know, so it's definitely, you know, interesting. I did pick him to win, you know, Duke to win the national championship. I was a little bit more leaning towards Jabari, you know, and I still think, you know, we can't count out what Holgren could be, but you know, in this league, it's, it's the shock Raiders and the big forwards who decide games and decide championships. And, Yes, we did have Curry just win a finals MVP, but, you know, Curry is the anomaly that proves the rule because he's just, I mean, that's why Curry is just so great and literally revolutionized the game is because he did all he has done as a guard. And, you know, you try to look around the league and it doesn't really work as a guard and um, especially to be that number one option. Uh, A lot of the main teams that are great are because of their great because of their forwards. I mean, you look at Giannis. We look at, you know, I mean, I guess at center, you have Embiid and Jokic. Uh, you with the Heat, you have Adebayo, and you have Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, even with the Mavs, you have Luka Doncic. And, uh, you know, even for John Morant, he's pretty big. I mean, he's he's got a slight frame, but he's a tall guy, you know. He's not – and he's really athletic. So he's, again, another anomaly that proves the rule. So I think a lot of – Boncaro fits the, you know, what you want for – uh, uh, franchise forward. He definitely, you know, he and it's perfect, you know, not necessarily is lackadaisical, but him being able to know when to switch it on and off, especially with a team with dominant ball handlers like Cole Anthony and Jalen Suggs who need the ball to develop. Uh, Franz Wagner is also a really good playmaker, Um, you know, so having being able to allow his teammates to, you know, go work through the offense. But, you know, when it's time to turn it on, he knows to turn it on. And we'll have to see how it works out. I mean, it's definitely – I do really like it when a team comes together like this, a team that has been going through it lately. I mean, they deserve a win. They've they've really had some tough times since the Dwight Howard um, whole thing. And I'm I'm just honestly happy for the Magic because, you know, they've always had one of the best uniforms in the league. It's one of the, I mean, obviously it's Orlando, one of the best places to live in the, in the, you know, in the country. It's fun, you know, great weather year round. And, you know, it's always been, you know, the encore performance have always been beaten up. You know, LeBron said, oh, there's no way I'm ever going to Orlando, blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah, I'm happy that they finally got a guy, you know, they, they've, they've had loyal fans and they've really gone through it. It's, it's been tough. Also, speaking of big forwards, shout out to King and Murray over with the Kings, another team which we're hoping to maybe have an upswing. Oh, it'll be interesting to see these young guys, Benedict Matherin, too. He's shown some stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I have there been any young guys that have been really popping off for you that you've seen in the last couple of days? Matherin has been a really good score for Indiana. They looks like they might have a steal there. The Magic played the Celtics in one of their early games and just Mm-hmm. aesthetically watching the Celtics play is like they're the they're kind of what you want from a basketball team everybody on that team is a big fo- what when they go Tatum Brown Grant Williams now they have Brogdon you know think put Robert Williams in there everybody on that team's long athletic they can switch they can get a shot for themselves 
Tatum, you've been saying it his entire career. He is, if you just built a player in the lab and gave him the, they're also incredibly fun to watch Gene as well. Like Tatum is just maybe the sort of the perfect aesthetic combined with skill basketball player in the league right now. The Magic are playing the Celtics and they kind of have the vibe that that kind of team is forming with Bancaro's there, Franz Wagner's there. I really like Wendell Carter. Suggs, we haven't seen him play yet, but we both have a lot of stock in Jalen Suggs. We both like his game. He was really, really good defensively last year. The offense will come. If he continues to grow, like his type of point guard is very rare and it's valuable. It's why Brunson was so valuable in free agency and why he got the money he did because there's just not a lot of point guards with the feel for the game that Suggs, Suggs has. Add the defensive upside in there. Like the vibe of that kind of team that Boston have is, is you can see it in Orlando. They were going toe-to-toe with Boston for a lot of that game. Bancaro's a really special, but like this is the kind of thing that's, we've seen it with like Edwards in Minnesota. Obviously, obviously Wayne Banyan is coming, so is Scoot, but you get one of these guys in it. Like this is early, early overreaction stuff to say that Orlando is the next Boston Celtics after three games, but just watching it on a basketball court, the pieces are there. They have the formula is in place for something special. If all these guys continue to grow. And again, we both believe in Ben Carroll. We, he's that dude, Sam. He's that guy. And that's all that without mentioning of John Isaac, who has been out since January, 2020 tore that ACL still dealing with his hammy. But I mean, when he comes back too, I mean, he's a great long defender too. If he can fit with his team, it's going to be scary hours. Like you mentioned, I mean, like, and you know, of course I saw that 40 point Jason Tatum game, you know, it got a little bit down to the wire, but um, you know, and, and the thing is, is that, you know, I've, you know, we've been hearing talk of you oh, is Jalen Brown better, but you know, I, I think it's pretty clearly that Tatum is the star of that team. And, you know, I, I could spend another 30 minutes talking about my boy. You, you already got me started. But instead of talking about my boy, we're going to talk about my team. I don't know if we – I think I hinted at it. We kind of beat around the bush. As we mentioned, it's a tradition on the pod. As there's no NBA team in Kansas because I am from Kansas City. We had every year got to pick a new team and, you know, I could have just gone with OKC, you know, as a Kansas guy, but OKC is, you know, at the bottom of the dregs. We love you, Sam Presti. Trust the process, but, you know, it might be a while. So, you know, over the last couple of history, we hit on a couple, missed a couple, you know, last year I was really hoping the Raptors would come back against uh, the 76ers. I still don't know why, you know, I know the 76ers were way more talented, but without Thibault. You know, I, I thought they could come back, maybe, uh, before they, we had the Wizards. And then, you know, I'm starting to lose track of who it was, but who have we picked? But I've had the Hawks. I had picked the Hawks during when they went to the conference finals. We had the Suns in the bubble. That is a scar that I'll leave for a while because the Suns are perfect in the bubble. But nope, they couldn't make it. That one, that one hurt. I'm not going to lie. And, you know, those are probably the two main highlights. Uh, because yeah, the Nuggets, the year we picked them, everyone got injured. So this year we're having a similar issue because I picked the Pelicans before the year. You went Zion, Ingram. Uh, I mean, we keep going on. Trey Murphy, Herb Jones. They just drafted Dyson Daniels. I mean, this team is deep. And, you know, 
they Ingram and uh, Zion both get hurt in one game. Um, Ingram gets smacked in the face. Zion lands wrong, which, you know, is always a worry with him because of his weight. And the Pelicans go out and pretty much say it doesn't matter against the Mavs who, you know, Doncic's been red hot. I mean, you drop for 37 in this game. Uh, but the depth of the Pelicans really came through in this game with, you know, they had, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine players scoring 10 or more points, uh, you know, only one player over 20. And, you know, like like before the pod, uh, Rem was mentioning, you know, CJ McCollum and Valanchunas pick and roll. Uh, Valanchunas is one of the more underrated centers in this league. I mean, he really is productive. Uh, Jose Alvarado isn't just a, a highlight. And, you know, Dyson Daniels, he's a big guy. A lot of the, I mean, they just got some, a lot of, hard workers who can shoot and, you know, just making sure to remind everyone that, you know, Pelicans are picking the team. And I don't know, I've heard from, you know, some guys at the ringer, dark horse finals contenders. I don't know. There's been some hot takes floating around there. Uh, what are you thinking of the Pelicans this year, right? We're going to have to go back into the archives and dig up when you pick the Pelicans as your team, because you were, you were in on this very, very early in the, I think before the draft, you were saying that the Pelicans were your team because you were mm-hmm. kind of eyeing that pick. I remember you liked the Dyson Daniels pick when it happened. So you've been on this Pelicans bandwagon for a while. They kind of check all the boxes of, of a team you like. You like the young upside teams have a lot of these athletic switchy guys. You mentioned the Raptors in the past. You know, that's another team that you've been in on the Nuggets. But you're always kind of a year, a year too early with these take the leap teams. Something always goes wrong. But mm-hmm. the Pelicans it's purposeful though, purposefully a year too early. This 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 might be the year for for you to actually break that curse though, because it seems like the Pelicans have a really really good chance. I again three game overreaction. They have a really good chance of potentially being like a, a top four seed in the Western Conference. I know health is going to be an issue, but we saw it. We're recording this Tuesday night. We saw tonight with the depth of this team, like. To have McCollum there, to have Valanchunas there, like having them run pick and roll together is still a legitimate NBA offense. These are both guys that can put up 20 points a game a night, and they have now all these young athletic shooters. They didn't even have Herb Jones out there tonight. Along, He was out with Brandon Ingram and Zion, and Trey Murphy can just step in, play more minutes. He's another long athletic shooter that they have. They just have a bunch of these guys. Nance can get out there and hustle and play minutes. So it's it's a deep team. It's a team that we mentioned again. It has these veterans like McCollum. He's just going to take a big step forward as a playmaker and as a point guard this year. He's doing it early on in the season. I only imagine he'll get better at that. So this is a young team with the stars Ingram and Zion. But this is is this win now mode for the Pelicans? Is this like a a, a season where they have to go out and really take their shot because it feels like they're right in the mix with the best teams? with the depth and with the stars that they have. And they're going to potentially, you know, be at the top of the Western conference as the season plays out. Another thing we look for, you know, in the great evaluation of teams is teams that still, you know, maybe young, but you still need some veterans in there. You need some people to write the ship, keep the guys focused, but you need people who are hungry. You need that balance. 
and that's another thing that this team has. It has veterans, and that's why it's a win now. I do think it's it can be in a win now mode if their stars are healthy, uh, because you know they definitely they with the with guys like C.J. McCollum, guys like Jonas Valanciunas, they've been in big moments. You know, I think both of them have actually been in conference finals. They've had big playoff moments. You know, and they've you know Brandon Ingram has had a couple of years in the league. Uh, and there's there's just a lot of guys who have had grit and grind to get where they're at. Not really a lot of you know new. Not really a lot of like you know flashy players. And besides Zion, who hasn't stayed healthy, and it's it's just a lot of grindy guys. And I I definitely like how they overperformed. I mean that 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 series against the Suns should not have gone to six. And they were lucky that they got out of there without because if it went to seven, it would have gotten real scary. And showing that fight against the team that, you know, was later to shown to be, you know, I know I hate using this word because it's overused, but kind of soft, you know, I mean, they could get pushed around. I mean, Luca was literally laughing in their face game seven. I mean, that's just play flat out disrespectful. Like, you know, he's literally there laughing in their face. So for a team that have been shown, you know, for a team, you know, another a team that was tough, Showed it last year in the Pelicans, and now with elite talent, uh, if they can stay healthy, uh, I definitely think they should be in a win now mode because you know you look at the West, and hopefully you know outside of the Nuggets, who we haven't seen Jamal Murray play that much, you know the Warriors, yeah, you got Curry, but they're kind of in a they're kind of in a transition rebuilding year, figuring out what their identity is, and still and they still are dealing with contract stuff because. I mean, they're, they're. I mean, Lakeup has said he's not paying Green, Poole, and um, Wiggins all at the same time. I mean, they're not. He's not going over five hundred million. So, they they're still. I mean, they're still all wondering who'll get their bag there. So you got all those issues. I mean, the Lakers are down. The Clippers, who knows? I mean, can we see Kawhi play ten games in a row? So it it's. I mean, the West is kind of in turmoil. And, you know, I'm not sitting here saying Zion, they could win at all, but I think they could have similar to the Hawks kind of year where they can get a really deep run, some really good experience, you know, while these teams are transitioning. And maybe that'll give them confidence to, you know, make an even deeper run later on. And Brandon Ingram was a legit playoff scorer in that playoff series against the Phoenix Suns. He was doing whatever he wanted in that series. He was getting to all of the spots he wanted to on the court. Like, he was a proven, yeah, this is a guy, he can put up 25, he can put up 30 when you need it in a big game. And it's, you know, he was so good to end last season that the point, it was to the point where, you know, aesthetically, what's the fit between Zion and Brandon Ingram going to look like when they both get back on the court together? And the the little bit that we saw, it, it looks really good. Brandon Ingram's still able to do his thing as a scorer. We mentioned... You know, they it, looking at the roster, it's they don't have a really have a point guard. McCollum's going to play the point guard, and he's been good in that role. And Zion's been content to just be around the hoop. He's just jumping over guys, dominating. So, I mean, if he, if health is again, it's going to be the big thing for this team. But this team has the depth. They have the pieces. They have all all the pieces, especially if McCollum continues to get better at point guard, and. They also have all the picks, Sam. So this, I guess, if this is your team, 
if you're GM Sam for a moment, is this roster good enough to make the run we're talking about? Or are you looking at those picks? Are you trying to make another move? Because I actually just early on in the season, like I kind of like the way this is looking and especially with the youth that they have and all the depth, like I would just kind of want to see it play out. I don't know if even with all the picks they have, if this is a team that's going to start wheeling and dealing and making moves, but GM Sam, like what, what do you think this team needs early on three games to get in the mix? Because you, you laid it out, but I think besides the Suns and the Warriors who are going to emerge as the top two, I think the Pelicans could, on a night-to-night basis, be as good as every other team in the in the Western Conference. Yeah, I really do think they could. You know, they got they got a whole lot of tr- they got a whole lot of picks coming up. You know, they got two this year. They got the Lakers pick, and then next year they got you know three first rounders and two uh, seconds. And you know, I've always been a fan of keeping the team together and letting the talent develop. Because so many times we see teams try to trade a couple guys, they bring in a star, it doesn't really fit, and then the young player was gone and it grows and they wish they kept them and, you know, so on and so forth. I mean, that's what the Lakers are dealing with right now. I mean, who knows where that team would be right now if they kept Lonzo, if they kept Kuzma, you know, would they win that ring? Who knows? But they'd be a lot more, they'd be more likely to be a contender later down the line. So it's always a little 50-50. But considering that this team has picks from other teams who, you know, I, I don't really see a reason for them to trade anything. Just keep what you have, you know, when contracts come up and you have to trade the asset, you know, obviously do that. So you at least get something back for that asset. But, you know, I wouldn't trade too early. I just want to see what's out there. Get these guys some run, get them some practice see how it how it is together because right now it's looking really good and you know it's always it's always you know especially late in the year with injuries and stuff like we're seeing right now it's better to have depth especially with injury prone stars like they have and i just love love how deep this team is young and hungry and you know they they realize they're just starting and we'll have to see uh we'll have to see what their future holds this especially this next season so Speaking of teams that should be tanking but aren't, the Spurs, San Antonio Spurs, are the winning ways back. Rem, are you are you in on this team? How how in are you on this team? Because obviously we know the rule. Fans know their teams the best, and you're a fan of the Spurs. What are you thinking this year? So going into the season, the Spurs and the Jazz were the two teams. I think it, they had they had pole position. In the tank off for Ooh. Victor Wambanyana, they were number one and number two. And the season started all of a sudden. The Jazz are undefeated. The Spurs are beating the Sixers, the Timberwolves, these tie end teams. What's going on? Well, this is actually the perfect way to start off tanking for Victor Wambanyana. The league has come out and said it's going to monitor tanking. We know the league does not like this. They've messed with the lottery odds, they've tried playing tournaments. They're going to add mid-season tournaments and incentives for as many teams as possible. So there's always winning. Teams are always competing. They don't want these teams intentionally losing games. So what do the Spurs and Jazz do? Well, they come out, they compete, they win, they build good character with the league. And if you're just looking at big picture, these teams are all going to end up 
in the bottom, in the race for Victor Wambanyana, in the long run, you know, the Spurs, the Jazz are not going to keep up. The Thunder, the Rock, all, the, the league's going to filter out. We're three to four games in right now. Teams are still figuring stuff out. It's it's going to happen. The order is going to shape correctly. There will be some surprises, but the Spurs and the Jazz will be in the mix for the number one pick. And if you think about the draft lottery last year and how the order fell and just how the order in general falls, we know the league doesn't rig. It's totally random. The league does not rig the lottery, but it is convenient how these teams get placed in the proper order last year. It felt the same in 2021 last year. It felt like Orlando was the correct team to get the number one pick. We know OKC was going to take Chet. Put Orlando at one, create some drama. Orlando is a team that has a lot of depth, but you know has a chance at a star. Let's give him a chance at a star. OKC, we'll give him Chet at two. Houston needs a star as well, so we'll put him at number three. And then Detroit and Sacramento, five, six, they can get it. Just the order falls perfectly. And these teams are going to be making their case to the league in a way. You know, it's not official. It's off the record. Again, the ping pong balls fall random. But these teams, I guess, are going to be making their case to the ping pong balls to fall in their way. Mm -hmm. And part of doing that is competing and quote unquote not tanking, you know. So the Spurs, who have never tanked under Popovich, this century, you know, I guess they did it for Duncan back in the day, but this is, they haven't done it in 20 plus years. They've always maintained a high standard. So this is, this is a great way to start making your case to the league that they should be the team to get the number one pick to get Victor Wambanyan. I mean, who has a better history of developing these international prospects than Greg Popovich? He literally did it with Duncan, did it with Parker, did it with the the entire championship run. He was bringing these guys in overseas. They have organizational stability. Even with all the drain brain over the years, like Coach Bud has come out of that system. M.A. Adoka has come out of that system. Will Hardy on on the Jazz right now. The Jazz are tearing it up. Will Hardy on M.A. Udoka's staff, but also was on San Antonio's staff. Becky Hammond Mm -hmm. winning WNBA titles. Like These guys are all over the league from the Spurs coaching tree and the Spurs continue to have winning ways over in San Antonio with the constant brain drain. Again, pop is the best handler of these prospects and they're just, they've never tanked. They've always competed. Even when they lost Kawhi, they've maximized the talent. They've grown their young players. They've always overachieved and exceeded expectations this is this is why this is why they should be the number one team, the team with the number one pick when the ping pong balls fall. I hope the league is watching. I hope the league rewards Pop for an incredible run and gives him one last chance to build a championship level roster because the young guys are playing well right now. The Wings with Vassell and Johnson, again, they're overachieving. They're competing. They've clearly put in the work over the offseason. So just top to bottom, this is the this is the organization that should be handling Wen Ben Yen's NBA career. And I hope that the Spurs continue their winning ways. And I hope the ping pong balls reward them when the draft lottery comes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I really would like to see, you know, obviously for y'all Spurs fans, it would be great to see Wen Ben Yama in Spurs jersey to be developed. 
Now, you know, are there more exciting possibilities? Perhaps, you know, I don't, you know, I'm just saying, you know, the team, the roster is looking a little rough, but you know, Devin Vassell second year, you know, I kind of, you know, made funny off for the pick, not taking Tyrese Albert, but he, this year he has looked better, you know, obviously usage rate, you know, with no one else on the team is always nice, but you know, this is what I was always suggesting for your team to do is get rid of the main ball handlers, main guys, and Aldridge and DeRozan and let your young guys go. And, you know, if if they're competitive, good. I mean, that means they're developing. And if not, well, good. Then you'll bring other young guys to replace them. So, you know, I definitely like, you know, direction where y'all are headed. And, you know, if it's, it's definitely, it's definitely going to be interesting, you know, because you don't want to end up like the Kings where you win enough games to be competitive but not actually win anything. So we'll see. But like you mentioned, Pop never uh, Pop never <laughs> tanks. So, you know, he's not going to be sitting down Clendon Johnson on a random Thursday because he wants to keep losing. So we'll, we'll, we'll see where uh, this leads with your team because, you know, there, there have been some interesting flashes, you know, so far undefeated. Or no, wait. They have one loss, but okay, they have one number, loss. Three, number one, two three, in one. the standings right now. Number two. Number two. That 76ers win was a good win, though. I that was a that was a even though, you know, even though I don't know, it was weird because I heard people outworking, you know, Perto was outworking Joel and Bede, but Joel still dropped 40. So I was like, well, you know. But um, you know, something to keep an eye on. Something to keep an eye on. Any any last thoughts about the Spurs? Or... Dusty, over his career, especially his recent career with OKC, has proven that he likes the mystery over, you know, he likes potential over whatever he could get in the draft. He loves spinning things into future assets. He loves chasing a bit bigger fish. If, you know, you're going to put Wayne Banyana in that situation, Orlando has a lot of young talent, but they've never had a sustained run of greatness. So I don't, you know, is Wan Banyan over there and they just got Bancaro. So you can't really give them back to back picks. Number one, you know, two years in a row, Houston, are you going to, you're going to give Wan Banyan to Houston's owner. I don't know if that's the situation you want to put him in. Cade is already in Detroit. Halliburton and Matherin are already in Indiana. So pick and roll with Cunningham and Wan Banyama. They, they already have their guys. They're going to, they're going to be trying to go for the play in game. Anyways, I guess, Utah is going to be the only other team that's going to make their case. And they don't even have, if you look at their team right now, they don't even have a young core. They're just a, a random, a random hodgepodge of guys. It's a lot of picks. There's really nobody on this team that you go, oh yeah, they could potentially play with superstar X, hopefully Victor Wambanyana. There's just nobody like that on their roster. The Spurs have those guys. They have a history of organizational stability. They have get Greg Popovich. Wait, wait, man, yet is the spot. San Antonio, Sam, bring him there. Put him next to Soho. You, you want to hear a crazy possibility? Say uh, LeBron, 30 games in. He's tired of this. He's tired of playing with these bums. Shuts it down. 80s injured again. Lakers tank. Oh, wait. But who has the Lakers pick? A certain New Orleans. Oh my goodness! Imagine if he played with that team. That 
blow my mind. I, I remember that was, uh, that, I think that was the year I picked the Hawks also when it was the Zion draft and there was a chance they had like top five odds. And I was like, imagine Trey Young and Zion. I mean, that would just lose my mind. But, you know, the team I am kind of hoping he goes to, and sorry for y'all Spurs fans, is the Hornets. You know, LaMelo and Juan Banyama, I think that would be must-watch TV. And you know it. You can't even deny it. Look at it. He's scratching his head. He can't He can't argue with it because, you know, it'd be perfect pairing. They literally play – just play them too. I don't care. You could have three bums, three plumbers out there. It's going to be fun to watch. And, you know, that team That team is definitely going to be dysfunctional. You know, let LaMelo put up whatever shots he wants. I mean, he was already doing that in Australia and in his dad's league. So, you know, he's used to playing on bad teams. And, you know, who knows? I mean, I I think they're the main front runners right now in terms of tanking. I mean, the Jazz have a couple, one too many pieces, you know, and players who actually want to win. Um, your team as well. Okay, see, you know, who knows what they got there, but they still got SGA. Uh, the Rockets, they just have too many players that puts up big numbers. Now, does that translate to wins? Who knows? But like Jalen Green's gonna be better. Um, so we'll we'll see. We'll see. I you know, I I definitely, you know, I'm leaning towards LaMelo Ball and one by Yama, but you know, it'd be nice if he went to this first too. I, I you know, I definitely get the best out of him. My ranking, my Wambanyana ranking as of right now would have been Spurs 1, Jazz 2. But I think Charlotte is a strong case. I think it's Spurs 1A, Charlotte 1B right now. Jazz, oh. Jazz at number two. Because the league the league could throw Michael Jordan a bone and give yep. him Wambanyana. It would be, especially if LeBron's going to be in the league in five years. Seven, <laughs> maybe, maybe seven if LeBron's going to be an owner. Yeah, maybe give give Michael Jordan his piece now, get Wam Badiana and LaMelo. But I think they can do that with Scoot. I think Scoot and LaMelo would be great with each mm. other. I think LaMelo is oh, already okay. a star there. I don't think uh-huh. Wam Badiana, I think Wode reported in the off season is, would raise the value of the team by like uh-huh. 500 million, wherever he went. Yeah. And Charlotte with LaMelo is a team that could potentially just grow and, you know that could that organization uh-huh. could get value with Lamelo and Scoot. Put women uh-huh. in in San Antonio again. Okay. It's a Tim Duncan like situation there. He adds uh-huh. value to they. They have a they have a draw now that Tim Duncan can never get the eyeballs. That's that true. Women Yannick could get especially in a social media era now where we can just consume basketball. And, you know it doesn't really matter what market you're in. Uh-huh. Like Wambinana will get the Spurs on TV if he is in San Antonio. That's so right. I mean they can they can again just boost another market there. I don't they can do that with Scoot in Charlotte. So that would be my okay. tank to keep the Spurs 1A. But Charlotte's a strong the Wambinana tank off is gonna be awesome. I think yeah. we're gonna have to go through the power rankings quite often, keep them updated, but I don't the jazz the jet we'll go Charlotte and the Spurs tied for one. Jazz too. That'll be that'll be our top three right now. I don't know. Maybe Pelicans four. You know, they're Lakers. The Lakers are giving them a good chance of getting that pick right now. You get the number. They're not going to give the Pelicans the number one pick. I don't know if that. I don't know if that pick is top four protected or something along those lines. But Griffin has shown a history of somehow getting the number one pick out of nowhere. 
You know, I think he's gotten it three times, right, in his career because he got Anthony Bennett, Wiggins, and Williamson. So, you know, could be making four. Again, I don't, I don't think the league rigs it. I don't think the order is predetermined. But I do think there is uh-huh. a lot of good karma that can go into the draft lottery that can really benefit your team. So we're just, we're just keeping track of the draft karma rankings right now. Because right. I get, you know, like the Pelicans, they have a case to like jump up. And, but realistically, are the Pelicans going to be the number one pick? Like, is that actually what's going to happen? Wan Banyana and Zion and Brandon Ingram? Like, that, I don't know. That just seems like too much. I feel like the basketball gods won't allow it to happen. I feel like there will be some established order. So right now, these, these teams that are obviously at the bottom, I think stand a chance, but scoot again is a great prospect and there's going to be two or three more that emerge as well. It's going to be a deep class. So all these teams are going to end up with good players potentially, but the number one overall is coveted. And I think there is a lot of karma that can affect being the number one overall pick in an NBA draft. We'll see. I mean, it's not working with the Pelicans karma. It's the Lakers karma. And we know that that's not good right now. So who knows? Who knows? It's up to the Lakers where the Pelicans get the pick. I mean, because, yeah, obviously their pick is not going to be that low. Um, like we mentioned earlier, a whole lot of sports happening at the same time. So we got so many corners. It might be a room. Uh, we got a little bit of Frisbee corner, F1 corner, soccer corner, and a surprise corner. I did not tell Remington this beforehand. Who knows? Who knows if anyone will actually send it in, but we'll save that for last. Uh quickly blitzing through it because you know it's pretty much going to be a monologue uh frisbee corner nationals was this last week uh truck stop a team out of dc the men's team won for the men's division uh i cannot uh seattle mixtape won for the women or mixed men's and women's and then for the life of me i cannot remember who won the women's division but you know congrats to all the superstar people who won you know it was fun to watch stuff is up on youtube um, they, they usually stream it to ESPN three also for, you know, so they can say it was on ESPN. Um, two guys ran into each other during the finals of the men's one guy had a head collision was taken in a hospital ambulance. So prayers out to Grant Lindsley. Hopefully he did get discharged from the hospital. And that's the thing that kind of sucks with Frisbee is that it's an amateur sport. So like these guys are literally went to work the next day. <laughs> like it's actually kind of interesting. You can find many of them on LinkedIn, you know, with their real jobs because, you know, and they're like playing at world-class level sports, you know, they travel overseas and stuff. And then the next day, you know, one's an accountant and another's doctor, but you know, hats off to them. Uh, soccer corner, Chelsea's winning a lot right now, which is why, you know, we had to bring them up Uh team out of London. Uh, just won champions league, our champions league game today. So we're moving on to the knockoffs, knockout stage. Um, Champions League, pretty much Continental Cup uh, for Europe. All the best clubs all participate in it. And it's kind of the standard for the whole league, you know, the top teams. That's pretty much what you go for. So it was a crazy day today in the league, but Chelsea won. So that's all that matters. And in F1, our last stop on this corner trip, Red Bull again won the Constructors Champion and their top driver, Max Verstappen, two years in a row. This breaks the dominance of Mercedes, who won eight years in a row with Lewis Hamilton. Their team, their car is just not fast enough. I mean, for Mercedes, they've said this aloud. They know it. And with F1 adding, you know, restrictions on 
how much you can spend on your car and stuff like that. Teams have been trying to adjust. Ferrari actually looked really good this year, but you know, they, they had a couple crashes here and there and not being able to be consistent enough. And, you know, Red Bull and Max Verstappen win again. So that's your uh, trip around the corners. Um, you know, I've been trying to get Rem to watch F1 drive your survive, man. It's, it's a, it's a really, really good show. It's, it's on now on Netflix, but, um, you have to let us know if you ever decide to crack it open. I've been researching F1 while you were talking, and it looks like there. Brad Pitt was in attendance at this F1 race that you're talking about, and yeah, apparently he was he was researching a role for a movie. So Brad Pitt studying film, doing the work. Good to see he's on the grind. I think of a Brad Pitt F1 movie might be the thing that gets me into F1. I'm not that that might be it. Well, there is that what Ford versus Ferrari movie. I don't know if it has Brad Pitt in it, but it had some famous. That's actors. got Bale, Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah, that's some. Those are some guys. I mean, you know, I don't think that's F one, but it's still kind of racing. And then I know this may totally flop because you know we love you listeners, but we know there isn't a huge following. But you know, if you ever have, if you ever need some advice, hit the Instagram to the DMs. Send us your life advice stuff. We'll hopefully go through them. Don't send any fake ones, but, you know, if you came to the end of the pod, you're a real one for listening to the whole thing. And, you know, we want to hear from you. We want to, I think, I think we need a mailbag, something, a chance to hear back from our listeners. We want to appreciate y'all for listening. And, um, yeah, yeah. I totally, totally didn't talk to Rum about this. So it's off, off the cuff, but. You know, I I think I think we need to show some appreciation for listeners. At Rem and Sam on Instagram, slide in slide into the DMs if, if you have any anything you need to talk about. Air it out right here. We can Let discuss it, out. it. Let it out. We're we're we got plenty of airtime. So thank you again for listening. And like you mentioned, follow the Instagram at Rem and Sam. Rem's doing a great job of putting posts up regularly up there, looking more professional by the day, I might say. And, you know, putting up some of my, you know, wackiest takes. I, once in a while, I'm like, whoa, I really went off the rails there. But <laughs> you, always, you always find a way to make them sound great, you know. So, yeah, shout out to Rem for that, all the hard work putting in. And, yeah, check out the stuff we have on, on at Rev and Sam, at Spop.media all the plugins check them out and yeah thank you for listening